The Hamlet Podcast, Episode 37. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hamerty. Last time, we ended just as Hamlet's companions were on their way back onto the stage, eager to discover what happened between the prince and the ghost. Now they arrive, and both they and we begin to see a change coming over him. Hamlet is on the brink. The baggage of the play's history means that we know that there's an antic disposition coming up very soon. As such, it's tempting to try to find every possible moment to start interpreting Hamlet's actions and responses in this scene as the onset of madness, whether it is performed or genuine. I think we would do well to bear in mind the immediacy of thought in the way that Shakespeare writes. When a character has a thought, they tell us. Keeping the focus on what Hamlet says, line by line, moment by moment, can give us a pretty clear guide to his development through the play. Here, Hamlet has ushered in his companions with the calls and cries reminiscent of falconry, and I think there's room almost for some slight comedy here. They've landed on his arm, as it were, and now what on earth might they say? Perhaps even after a pause, Marcellus and Horatio ask the same question. How is't, my noble lord? What news, my lord? Hamlet's response is short. Oh, wonderful. To our contemporary ears, this doesn't sound like the most appropriate word to describe how you've just learned that the apparition you met was your dead dad, who's in purgatory and was murdered by your uncle. Of course, the words wonder and awe mean two shades of the same thing, something big, something worthy of respect or even reverence. Wonderful, awful, whatever it is, it's big. But Hamlet doesn't seem to be any more forthcoming than, oh, wonderful. So Horatio has to ask for more, and he says, Good my lord, tell it. Hamlet refuses. No, you'll reveal it. There is a reticence here that could easily be played as the onset of Hamlet's manic change of character but hopefully not at the expense of the very real concern that what he's dealing with is a lot of dangerous information. Can he really trust either of these men? Say one word wrong, and he's at the mercy of a new regime whose leader is, he's just learned, perfectly happy to kill family members called Hamlet for power. Small wonder the prince isn't really forthcoming. Horatio promises he won't reveal anything and Marcellus echoes him. Not I, my lord, by heaven, nor I, my lord. Shakespeare is, of course, building up the tension here, and won't let Hamlet make it that easy for the two to learn what he's heard. How say you then? Would heart of man once think it? But you'll be secret. This line is a little tricky, and because it seems vague, it's open to a lot of interpretations. Something like, would anyone believe this, makes the most sense to me. Hamlet breaking his thoughts, debating whether or not to share with them. Both men, very eager by now, of course, swear to him that they'll be secret. I, by heaven, my lord. Now another weird line from Hamlet. So now we get Hamlet's response to the two gentlemen, and this is what he decides to share. There's ne'er a villain dwelling in all Denmark, but he's an arrant knave. Arrant is one of Shakespeare's favourite words to describe a knave. 
He has plenty of others, of course, but thanks to two appearances in Hamlet alone, it has become almost a standard adjective for a knave. But why is this Hamlet's response? He's built up the tension with Horatio and Marcellus holding back from telling them what he's learned, and now, they having sworn to keep his secret, perhaps even after a dramatic pause in which he makes a show of deciding to tell them, he gives a very unsatisfying comment about how, really, every bad guy in Denmark is a bad guy. Horatio is deflated, unsurprisingly, and he says, There needs no ghost, my lord, come from the grave to tell us this. Horatio can see quite clearly that Hamlet isn't telling them everything. He's barely telling them anything. In a lot of productions I've seen, there's an unspoken communication between Horatio and Hamlet here, suggesting that perhaps Marcellus isn't as trustworthy, and so perhaps shouldn't hear what has been learned. This makes some sense of Hamlet's responses, which otherwise can seem almost too distracted and evasive. And here's the next one. Why, right, you are either right, and so, without more circumstance at all, I hold it fit that we shake hands and part. For, as your business and desire shall point you, for every man has business and desire, such as it is, and for my own poor part, look you, I'll go pray. This is a bizarre set of platitudes with which to say goodnight to the people that have brought you to meet your father's ghost. Yes, yes, you're right, he says. I don't suppose a ghost really did need to come back from the beyond to tell me that. So, uh, well, without any more carry on, I think it's best for us to part ways. You can go off and do your own thing, whether business or pleasure, and I myself will go and say my prayers. Surely even the most dim-witted Marcellus is unlikely to buy that. Hamlet is being so cagey, backtracking so furiously, that he is making no sense at all. And just as a side note here as well, perhaps for stage directors interested in physical etiquette, Hamlet suggests here that the shaking of hands is a gesture of farewell rather than of meeting. But, regardless of this, Horatio is still having none of it, and tells Hamlet just how curious he's sounding. These are but wild and whirling words, my lord. So Hamlet apologises. I'm sorry they offend you heartily. Yes, faith, heartily. Now, regardless of how heartily sorry Hamlet may wish to appear, Horatio is still not convinced. If Hamlet is really trying to get rid of them, or even just to get rid of Marcellus, he will have to be more clear. Horatio tries to talk Hamlet out of this escape strategy by undoing his point. His counter is, There's no offence, my lord. And now we get a startling response from Hamlet, and indeed from Shakespeare. Yes, by St. Patrick, but there is Horatio, and much offence too. Touching this vision here, it is an honest ghost, that let me tell you, for your desire to know what is between us, or master it as you may. We discussed the references to and politics of purgatory in an earlier episode. What's curious here is that Hamlet refers to St. Patrick, the only time in the entire complete works of Shakespeare that he is invoked. There is a Friar Patrick in The Two Gentlemen of Verona, but he's certainly not a saint. As well as his patronage of Ireland, St. Patrick is also the patron saint of purgatory. The story goes that Christ showed St. Patrick an entrance to purgatory on Station Island in Loch Derg, which is in County Donegal in the north of Ireland. 
the place became a very famous site of pilgrimage and was well known throughout the medieval world. I mention all of this to explain the significance of St. Patrick cropping up here. Hamlet's head is full of new information, of murder and of purgatory. So this reply of, yes, by St. Patrick, but there is Horatio and much offence too, actually makes a lot of sense. All he seems prepared to say is that, as far as this ghost is concerned, he's honest, and therefore to be trusted, a legitimate revenant. But, Hamlet insists, that for Horatio's desire, or indeed Marcellus's desire, to know what was spoken between him and the ghost, they must overmaster it as much as they can. In other words, regardless their desire to know, they'll have to get over it, because he isn't going to tell them. Before they can protest any further, Hamlet moves towards asking for a favour. And now, good friends, as you are friends, scholars and soldiers, give me one poor request. This is the second of three times in this scene that Hamlet uses the word poor to lower himself in the eyes of his companions. He's talked about his own poor part, going off to pray, and now has a poor request. There'll be another poor man reference before they leave the battlements tonight. There's a lot of poor ghost, and Lord knows we've a few years of episodes before we get to poor Yorick, but it's always notable when Shakespeare has a character repeat a word this much. The men are obviously unlikely to refuse poor Hamlet, as Horatio confirms. What is, my lord? We will. And the request comes. Never make known what you have seen tonight. Without telling them any details of what he discussed with the ghost, Without a single nugget more juicy than confirming that the ghost is honest, Hamlet seems to expect them not to say a word about the whole situation. At this point, if I were up on the battlements, I would definitely be insisting that he tell me everything if he wanted me to keep my mouth shut. For their response, and indeed the great lengths to which Hamlet goes to enlist their silence, join me for the next episode, which will be the second last of this scene, and indeed this act. In the meantime, my own poor request... I'd be delighted if you'd share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. You can subscribe to us in iTunes, follow at Hamlet Podcast on Twitter or Facebook, and feel free to visit the website for an ever-growing archive of notes and background information on thehamletpodcast.com. Thanks a million, and I'll talk to you next time.